This is our second lesson in our Godly Men curriculum. And we're calling this one the Man of Authority. And to be honest with you, this curricula has probably been the hardest one I've ever had to write in the two years we've been writing curriculum. Uh, because I think everything we do, we, we preach and teach, we do to try to make men of God out of the men and women of God out of the women. And so what I had to do was find what is, had to find the heart of God. What is the thing lacking in men? What is the greatest thing lacking in men? And what I've, I, I began to see and observe is that not just our culture, but the world over, many times men don't want to rise up and be men because it's just easier to not. It's just easier to sit back and do the bare minimum because men have flesh and flesh likes to be lazy. Flesh likes to be irresponsible. And so what we're looking at with a lot of these first probably three or four lessons, probably the first four lessons is going to be the man rising up and doing and leading and being strong. And that's the call of every man. We talked about that last week with the creation of man. Man was made first for a reason. It's not a sexist thing. It's not a misogynistic thing. It's just the way God did it. And he wanted to deal with man first. And then he made woman. Built her totally different. And then he deals with woman in a unique way apart from man. What we're seeing, though, is that men don't want to be men. And so I've got to put this determination in you men that as husbands, as fathers, as businessmen, as just single men, you've got to rise up and be a man. And so our second lesson is the man of authority. And what we want to look at is kind of the authority you've been given as a man. And a lot of this will apply to you women as well, except for where it doesn't, and you'll be able to easily see that from the Scriptures. But men have got to rise up and do something. God has put within every man the ability to be a leader. That doesn't mean you're going to be president. It doesn't mean you're going to be a five-star general. It doesn't mean you're going to be a pastor. But it means you have the ability to rise up and lead, whether it's leading your home, leading your life, you can get on the job and become a leader. And if you work harder, they'll promote you. will be a higher leader. Then you get married one day and then you lead your wife and lead your children. Uh, and really, we could say shame on you, man, if you don't want to lead. Shame on you, man, if you're not wanting to aspire to be in charge. Shame on you if you don't have those aspirations of greatness in you to rise up and impact and influence people. That's really what we're fighting here. Men just want to roll over and play possum and play dead and do nothing until what? I mean, that's a miserable way to waste time. You ever notice the busier you get, the more time flies? I've just taken this whole week off. I feel absolutely useless because I did nothing all week. I told my wife, I said, honey, this has been like a month long and I'm ready to go do something. And if you do nothing, your life just drags on and it makes you more miserable. So you've got to rise up and be a leader and look to lead. In fact, even Timothy says, if any man desire the office of a bishop, that's work. You've got to rise up and desire some leadership. So let's look here at our curriculum and let's look at some authority and see what it is and how to use it. And just see what, this, what our scriptures have to say here. In this lesson, we will look at areas men of God are authorized to affect and change. So men right there, we can see that there's things you're authorized. You've been given God's authorization to do, to change, to impact, to affect. On your job, you're authorized to change the atmosphere. In your home, you're authorized to lead the home. In your life, you're authorized to speak the word of God and change it. You have authority to change everywhere you go. Not just you change, but you change the place everywhere you go. You ought to be able to change the atmosphere of a room when you walk into it. You ought to be able to change these things. You know that if you're in a restaurant and all of a sudden here come a busload of high school cheerleaders, it's going to change the atmosphere. Or if you're at a restaurant and in come a whole bunch of motorcycle riders, it's going to change the atmosphere. 
or if you're at a, a restaurant and income a whole bunch of uh, homosexuals is going to change the atmosphere. You, Christian, ought to be able to walk into a room and change the atmosphere. Men, you ought to be able to do it. So let's look at some things we can affect and change. God has authorized men to accomplish God's will in the earth. You need to know you've been authorized to change and impact the world to make it line up with the will of God. God's going to judge us for what we do and don't do. And you've got to make sure that as a Christian, you're able to get the will of God working all around you. If you're in some kind of place of leadership on your job, you ought to be able to say, huh, there's no cussing under me. Clean your mouth up or go outside. Your mouth sounds like your cigarette smell. Go take it outside and be able to have that kind of impact. That's authority. I think what we're facing in America is that uh, we're afraid to hurt people's feelings. And if you have any kind of authority, you're going to have to hurt somebody's feelings because you're going to have to tell somebody no. And spoiled brats don't like to hear the word no. But you've been authorized to say the word no. And the word no is a very powerful word. And it's the very first one your children learn. Don't kid yourself. It ain't mommy or daddy. No, because it's the one that shuts them down. And when you're authorized, you can use the word no to and shut other things down. And to do that, you're going to have to hurt people's feelings because people are immature. And that's why we maybe maybe we're seeing here. Maybe that's why men don't want to be men of authority because they got to hurt people's feelings. So when did you become a girl? When did you become all soft and concerned about everybody's feelings? If you've got a job to do, you must do it. You must rise up and do what needs to be done. That's authority. Our president doesn't care, well, at least he shouldn't care who he does or doesn't offend. Used to, America didn't care about anything. We just did what we needed to do, sort it out, and when you destroy yourself, we'll come rebuild you, because that's how we roll. And now we just tiptoe through the lilies trying to appease everybody who wants to kill us. That's, that's a misappropriation of authority. It's misusing. It's not using it at all. This is a tremendous and fearful honor to think that God would lend to us his authority. Wow. God has authorized us men to represent him. That's what the word represent means, to represent. We are to represent God in the earth and in every situation we may face. Men, realize you've been given God's authority to represent God everywhere you go. It's just like if you were an ambassador you would have the authority of the President of the United States to represent or represent U.S. on foreign soil. And you would speak for them. In fact, even I had some authority delegated to me when I was in the engineering world, and I would sit in meetings, and even though I was in my mid to late 20s, I would represent WSA, the engineering firm. And so I would speak on their behalf, and it would go down in the log. WSA said this. Well, really, it was Chris McMichael talking. But WSA said this, and WSA doesn't think we should do this, and so we're not going to do it because WSA, and I'm speaking for an international firm. <laughs> That's how you are, men. You represent God. And when you speak, just like we saw when Adam would speak, God said that's how it's going to be. And that's how come you can curse your marriage if you want to, and that's how it will be. That's how come you can speak sickness and disease on your body, and that's how it will be. You can curse your job, and that's how it will be. You can curse your life. That's how it will be. You curse your finances. That's how it will be because you represent God. And the thing is, I could sit in those meetings with, as a representative of WSA and I could misappropriate the authority and misuse it and I would be in so much trouble and yet it would still get done. WSA says we can do this this way. And the other engineer said, no, we didn't say that. Well, I'm sorry, I just misused my authority. I won't get to do it many more times. So we have to be careful of this. 
God has authorized us to represent him in the earth and in every situation we may face. Understand this critical truth up front, men and women. We will give an account to God for what we did or did not accomplish with his authority and how we did or did not represent him. This comes back to just basic Christianity. Can we tell you're a Christian on your job? Are you afraid to pray over your food? Praying over your food is a very powerful witness. And you don't even have to talk to anybody. You just bow your head and, and pray over it. They know what you're doing. It convicts them. And you don't have to do it. You just do it because you thank God for it. Let's look at two definitions. Authority. The word authority in, in English means the power or right to give orders. Men, keep in that. And women have this authority as well. But we're dealing with men. The power or right to give orders. The power or right to make decisions. And I like this last one because you parents need this. The power or right to enforce obedience. Parents really need to get a hold of that one. You are authorized to be the parent. You have the right to enforce obedience. Most of the time, what our children do, we're not concerned about the natural action. It's the attitude behind it. They scream and force the obedience. The word kingdom, and I just threw this in there because it's more than we have time to study. Anytime you look in the New Testament at the word kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is coming to you, the kingdom of God is within you, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what that word means. Royal power, kingship, dominion, rule. This next part is what I like the most. Not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. So when it talks about you having the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, what the Greek word really means is not the actual kingdom with castles and buildings. It's the authority to rule in that kingdom. That's the same authority we have, men and ladies too. This is the authority you have. You have the authority to rule and dominate in that kingdom, and that's on the earth. You have that in you, and you've got to exercise it. You've got to be using the authority. You've been authorized to do things. Make sure they get done. There are certain things in your life. If you don't do them, nobody will do them for you and you will suffer the consequences. What we're fighting here, men, is your laziness. We're fighting that lazy bone. And unfortunately, most American men, how many bones are in the body, Miss Valerie? 269? 206. Okay. I I need the statistic here. For the average American man, if there's 206 bones, 150 of them are lazy bones. And he has a spine made of cartilage, like a shark. He has no backbone. we got to change this. We want men to be men of backbone, men of authority, men of gumption, men of determination, men of fight. Not that you're picking a fight, not that you're a man of war, but you know how to stand your ground when you need to stand your ground and stay up all night praying if you need to stand up all night praying. So the word kingdom, just keep that in mind as you read your Bible, as you should be doing, that the word king, kingdom is not an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over a kingdom, dominion, rule. So let's look at authority in the beginning and see what you men have been authorized to do from the beginning, because nothing's changed. Culture won't change it. Only you can in your heart, and even that won't be right. It's still the word of God. From the beginning, God authorized man to represent God on the earth and, in a sense, to govern in his steed. So, men, God put you on the earth to govern planet earth in his absence. 
That's what you see with Adam. That's what you're seeing now. God does nothing except he first speak it to his servants. God does nothing except he moved through us. A lot of folks don't understand that. They don't want to understand it. They don't. They like the sovereignty of God that says God does everything because he wants to do it. And if I cussed yesterday, it's because God wanted me to cuss. That's stupid. God moves through us. And you know, in your own life, he speaks to you and it doesn't mean you have to obey him. He moves through us. And so men, women, but men, we've been authorized of God to accomplish what God wants in the earth. And if we don't accomplish what he wants, we're labeled stubborn and insolent. And he has to move on somebody else. So stop being lazy. Rise up. Let's do some things here. Authority over creation. Genesis 1, 26 and 28. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over cattle, over all the earth. Notice that man has been given dominion over the entire earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl there and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Notice in those two passages, God says you have authority over everything. Period. That means what we permit is what gets permitted. What we forbid is what gets forbidden. It's up to you, men. You've been given authority. What hopefully this is doing is showing you you've got responsibility. That's something else people in our culture don't want is responsibility. But you've been given responsibility and it's going to come back and 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 talk to you and come back and bite you in the tail end. If you don't use what you've been given, you've been authorized over the whole earth. That means you have authority over snakes. You have authority over dogs. You have authority over cats. You have authority over anything. And really, in that regard, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Have authority over it. God puts you on top of the food chain for a purpose That's just a natural example. Then he's giving you spiritual dominion over it. Did you know God didn't rebuke the serpent in the garden? It was supposed to be man's job. And when man didn't use his authority, everything fell apart. And when you, man, don't use your authority, everything will fall apart. You've got to rise up and stand your ground and say, this is how it's going to be. From the beginning, man was authorized by God to take charge of any situation he may face on the earth. God has given man dominion which means to rule, to tread down, to subjugate, to bring under control, especially by conquest. That means you you have to have some fight in you to bring under control by by defeating it. Whether that means the desires of your flesh, your carnal appetites, whether it means your children, you have to conquest them. Whether it means just sin, whether it means atmospheres on your job or in your home, some things you got to beat. This is contrary to a lot of Christian doctrine in America, not accurate doctrine. That doctrine says, well, whatever God wants, God will have. Is that the case in your life? Is God getting everything he wants in your life? Is God is God able to accomplish everything he wants in your life? Well, case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. That's not the picture the Bible paints. Men, we're in charge. Or at least we're supposed to be. Ladies, you're to help us. You're to be in charge, too. But men first. It won't be just whatever will be, will be. What's going on planet Earth is going on planet Earth because men have permitted it. Men have endorsed it. Men have embraced it. Men have bought into it. Men are promoting it. And it doesn't mean it's the will of God. You you see that really God comes through planet Earth through man. 
And he did it the first time through Jesus, through the virgin. He came through a woman. And if God's going to move in the earth, he's going to move through us. But he's given us the authority to enforce what he wants and to enforce what he doesn't want. And it's up to us to rise up and take that charge. The first command given to man was to replenish the earth. The second command was to subdue it, to force, to keep under, to enslave. What you've got to be seeing from all this, men, is that you've been given tremendous power and you've got to be using it. There's not a situation in your life you can't change if you'll pray and use your authority. There's not a situation in your family you can't change if you'll pray and use your authority. There's not a situation that cannot bend to us if we would pray and use our authority. But this requires us to get off the lazy bone train and to rise up and do something. This requires us to be men of prayer, men of leadership, men of action. This requires us to do something. We can't just bump through the night. We can't just float through life and say, okay, sirrah, sirrah. We've got to rise up. And that's the heart of these messages is men, we've got to rise up and do something. There's got to be some determination in us, a fight in us. I'm tired of things being the same. I'm tired of my marriage circling the mountain. I'm tired of my finances circling the mountain. I'm tired of my children getting in trouble. I'm tired of my children rebelling. I'm tired of my community going the way it's going. All right, then do something through prayer, through your authority. Do something. You're responsible. God will hold us responsible for the outcome of this community. And God will hold you responsible, man, for the outcome of your life. That's why we can say in, in our church that I don't care about your past because you can change it. Your past doesn't determine what you're going to do in the future unless you let it. So take authority over your thoughts and your memories and your past. Get over yourself. You have that kind of authority. If you have authority over the whole earth, you better believe you have authority over your thoughts and your past and your memories. You are in charge. And you know yourself that not even God's in charge. Now, I don't mean to sound blasphemous, but, you know, if God was in charge, everybody would come to church every Sunday. <laughs> if God was in charge, everybody would be a tither. And if God was in charge, everybody would be forgiving. And if God was in charge, nobody would ever get offended. And if God was in charge, there'd be no alcoholics, prostitutes or, or, or homosexuals if God was in charge. But we know he just he lets man do what man wants. And then he has to look for a man to move on his behalf. He even said that in Ezekiel. Behold, I looked for a man that would stand in the gap and I found none. Therefore, I had to judge. And he, one man could have stopped God. One man could have changed God's mind. One man could have prevented it. One man, Moses, saved Israel time and time again when God was ready to kill him. So don't fool yourself. Don't fall into the religious trap. Well, God will do this if he wants to. No, it's your job to pray and move God. That's the authority we've been given. Well, you know, if, if God feels so like and he'll do this. No, no, your job is to pray and change it. God told Hezekiah, you're going to die. And Hezekiah said, have mercy and forgive me. And God said, okay, you can live. And, and Hezekiah changed God. Not that God ever changes, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> the second command was to subdue it, to enforce to keep under, to enslave. Men of God must rise up and exercise their God-given authority in the earth. We are commanded to take charge, men. There's nothing like a praying dad. There's nothing like a praying husband. There's nothing like a praying grandpa. You men can change things. Every one of you, if you're born again, you have the name of Jesus and the authority of God's word, and you can change anything you want, for good or for bad. Many folks change their life for the worse. 
but it's up to you. And what I'm finding in America, I think one of the greatest things we're seeing is that the church is wanting to fall asleep and take their ease, but we cannot. We've got to rise up and be busier now in prayer, busier now in service, busier now if we're going to see the kingdom expand and grow. One, my, my mom was telling me she was listening to one of her favorite preachers, a big 9,000 member church in another state. And uh, the pastor is real slick. He said, um, he said, how many of you, he said this, he said, you know, there's not a lot of churches having Sunday night services anymore. Would y'all agree? Oh, yes. Yeah, pastor. 9,000 people, you know. And he said, uh, how many of you think America's better off now that all these churches are canceling Sunday night service? No, boo, boo, boo. All right. Well, seeing as how you guys don't think America's any better off for canceling Sunday night service, I can expect to see all of you back tonight for Sunday night service. And with that, all the booing stopped. Oh. Bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. Because the American uh, Christians want to be lazy. They want somebody else to do the job. And husbands, we want the wife to do the job. Uh, husbands, we want the government to do the job. We want our taxpayers to do the job. We want everybody but us to do the job. And like one famous president said, the buck stops here. I wish every president after him, I believe that was Truman. I wish every president after him would have said that. The buck stops me. Somebody, somebody rise up and take responsibility. Say, it's my fault and I'll fix it. But what we want to do is just not my fault and deflect. Not my problem and deflect. And now we're bankrupt as a nation. Both morally, spiritually, and financially. Because some man won't rise up and take charge. I've learned this as just a leader. People just want to follow something. Just give me a strong voice of leadership and I'll follow. How about in your home? So the first thing was authority over creation. That pretty much encompasses everything. But authority over the family, Genesis 3.16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. And sorrow you will bring forth children. And your desire shall be to your husband and he shall rule over you. <laughs> I like that. From the beginning, the man, in this case the husband, was authorized by God to be the head of his home. God did not mince words. The Lord God declared, he, the husband, shall rule over his wife. The word rule in Hebrew means dominion, governor, and to have power. Married men must lead and govern their home and exercise their God-given authority or authorization over the affairs of their family. Husbands, you got to know what your wife's doing. This is not nosiness. This is your family. You need to know what your children are doing. You need to know where the money's going. You need to know what your kids are watching. A lot of wives are so sneaky, they won't tell their husbands what they're doing. I knew a man, I don't think this is going on in our church, I knew a man, he trusted his wife. He was a good friend of mine for many years. I just left, lost contact with him. During the Vietnam War, he worked for a military contractor who was making great money. And he let his wife manage the finances. And for five or six years, she saved up, 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 lots of money. And then one day divorced him and took all the savings. She was, she was scheming and scamming the whole time. She just fell out of love with him and saw the big paycheck and saved up. Think about in the 70s, I think it was about $90,000, he told me. And then she, he just walked away from him. And, and now I was good friends with him in 2001, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, he, a gentleman obviously much older than me. He was still a broken man 30 years later. Husbands, you've got to know what's going on. Not that I'm saying your wife is scheming and she's going to leave you because uh, <laughs> I don't know if she could find better than you. Sorry, wives. Got to help the men here a little bit. But you've got to know what's going on. You have authorization over your home. That's the, that's the lie that's been sold to the parents. Uh, your children deserve privacy. No, they don't. 
If I'm paying the bills, if they're living in my home, I'm feeding them. They don't have any privacy. Maybe to change clothes once they hit puberty, but that's about it. If you're a good parent, you might just take the door off the hinges. Yeah. And about every month or so, just go through and go lift up the mattresses, see what's hidden, go behind, look up. Uh, You ought to have all your kids' passwords. You ought to know what's going on in their life. You've been given authority, man. And if you're not using that authority, I would say you're lazy or you've bought into psychological propaganda that's going to ruin your kids. And you're going to be shocked when they turn up pregnant or homosexual or STD or having sex when they're 15. You've been given authority over your family. You should use it. God doesn't give authority lightly. He doesn't just say, here, dog, have authority over the family. He doesn't do that. He says, here, man, have authority over everything. And you know, husband, if you don't want a dog in your house, get rid of the dog. You have the authority. And you know, if you don't want something in your house because it's not right and it's sinful, get rid of it. Not saying a dog is sinful, but it can be depending on your heart. And and a dog can be a financial drain, in which case, get rid of the dog and don't let your emotions keep bankrupting you financially. Because if you can't afford to feed your mouth, you can't afford that dog. If you can't afford electric, you can't afford that dog. You can't afford gas, you can't afford that dog. So husband, I really don't care about your kid's feelings. I don't really care about your wife's feelings. Stop being dumb and exercise your authority and do what is wise. They're going to really cry when you lose the home. Say, honey, I'm sorry. I know you love Fifi, uh, but I want to keep the lights on. So Fifi goes bye-bye. And that's authority. We've really been taught to be, it's amazing as as leaders, we've almost been taught by society and, and the soul to get everybody's opinion and get everybody's feelings before we make a decision. No. If I'm in charge, I hear from God, I get wise counsel, and I make a decision, and I let God sort the rest out. That's leadership. We we want to poll. We want to take into account what everybody thinks and feels, and who am I going to offend? I don't care. If it's a right decision, if it's a Bible decision, it's going to be made according to the Bible, and everybody else can just get over it. The reason we're in a mess that we're in is because we haven't been making Bible decisions anyway. So men, rise up and be men of authority, and be a leader over your home, And let your wife take comfort and solace in that, knowing you're going to hear from God and make the right decision. You must, men, guard and govern all that concerns your home, not as a dictator, but as a loving patriarch and protector. Get a goldfish. It's a lot smaller mouth to feed. And then to get rid of it, you just flush it down the toilet. Amen. The third thing man was given authority over in the book of Genesis was sin. Praise God for that. Genesis 4, 7, the conversation with Cain. If you do well, you'll be accepted. And if you don't do well, sin lies at your door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. Notice it's a command like the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt rule over sin. So there, man, don't just worry about bossing your wife around. Don't worry about bossing the dog around or creation around. You got to boss your sin around, too. No, we're not going to think that way. No, we're not going to crave that. Get thee behind me, flesh. Get under my flesh, flesh. Get behind me. No, we're not going to look at that. We're not going to feed on that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to feel that way. You've been given authority over sin. Are you using it? Or does sin just use you? Because a sinful man, a sinful leader will corrupt everything. Proverbs says a lot about wicked leaders. A wicked leader is dangerous because they have authority, but they don't use it. 
They don't use authority over their flesh, but they'll use that sinful authority or the sinful flesh will taint their authority and they'll use that authority over people. And all you have to do is have one wicked leader and it will cause the entire nation to corrupt. A little leaven leavens the lump. And if you have a, a wicked king, then the people become wicked. If you have a wicked queen, you have wicked people. You have a wicked president, you have wicked people. You have a wicked dictator, you have wicked people. And so if you're going to be a successful husband and father... And business owner, you got to be a successful Christian, too, which means take authority over your sin. Master it. Man has been given the authority and the commandment to rule over sin. Sin always wants to sleep on the front porch of our life and family. Men, keep that in mind. Sin always wants to sleep on your front porch. It's always looking for a way in your home. It looks for a way in your home through your children. You must oversee that. It'll look for a way in through your wife. You must oversee that. It'll look for a way in through you, and you must oversee that. Don't let sin in your home. You've been authorized, men, to be guardians over your home. We must use our authority to run it off. There's like a stray cat on your front porch. Let's talk about stray cats on your front porch. Yes, thank you, Pastor. I will, because I don't like stray cats on my front porch. You start baiting them with rat poison, or you bait them with uh, antifreeze. Or you get a shotgun out, or as I just learned, you take a hot dog and you shove it full of aspirin and you feed it. Do sin the same way. This is the country, folks. Don't look at me. If I have upset you, it's because you have too much animal worship in you. Because what you keep as a pet, friends of mine will eat as lunch. Amen. You're more American than you realize, and you're more carnal than you realize. Because your eyes are upset. What? You feed aspirin to a cat and make its blood thin so much it just strokes out and dies? What? How come you don't get all teary-eyed over the people dying in Africa right now? Amen. What about everybody Qaddafi's killed? You're not teary-eyed over that. That's hypocrisy. God doesn't care about your cat. He worries about the lost soul. This is the country. Even 20 years ago, we still used to shoot animals without any recourse. With extreme prejudice. And now we worship them in this nation. All right, you guys are liking that. I'm still on that from last week, apparently, because we got issues. <laughs> your wife should be your best friend, not a dog. And if you're not married, then the Holy Ghost is your friend. The Lord Jesus is your friend. And you call out to Him, not some animal. We're not against animals. They have their place. At the bottom of the food chain, arise, Peter, kill and eat. Amen. This third passage from Genesis concludes the three main things God said man had authority over. And really, what else is there? Creation, family, and sin. What else do you need? That's authority over everything. And let me ask you, are you exercising your authority over these areas? Because these three things are going to cause you to fall. The world will cause you to fall. Family will cause you to fall. And you know sin will cause you to fall. You've been given authority over anything that could trip you up. You've got to use it. Man has been given authority over the earth his wife and family, and sin. Let's look at New Testament authority. Some of this is going to be reviewed, but we're just covering the man of authority because hopefully you as men will rise up and be better leaders and say, honey, this is how it's going to be. Devil, this is how it's going to be. Community, this is how it's going to be. Home, this is how it's going to be. Finances, you listen to me. This is how it's going to be. Body, you listen to me. This is how it's going to be. Because the other alternative is you just go live the rest of your life in a beanbag or a hammock and do nothing. What you ought to be seeing, man, is that you should be very busy. Speaking, commanding, demanding, 
always on vigilant watch, walking circumspectly, letting nothing have your heart but what God says can, which is him and family and ministry and the things of God and the lost. And that's about all you're allowed to have, have your heart. Everything else becomes idolatry. Let's look at some New Testament. Just run through some scriptures. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, the word power is authority, is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. That was the authorization to become world missionaries and preachers and gospel preachers. And when he had uh, called them unto, his, uh, unto them, his twelve disciples, he gave them authority against unclean spirits to cast them out. And authority, what we're adding here, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two. And he gave them power or authority over unclean spirits. And then I added James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We as preachers, we know we've been given authority over the devil now. We've been given authority over sickness and disease and all manner of infirmities. Those are some other New Testament things we have authority over. We have authority over the devil. You can resist him. You can speak to him. You've been given authority over sickness and disease. Don't let it have any place in your body. You start to feel the symptoms, say, uh-uh. Treat your symptoms like a two-year-old brat that won't take no for an answer. Sometimes your symptoms will throw a temper tantrum. That's all right. You enforce obedience. No body, no sickness. You're not having any right. I won't give you any place. I won't let you own me. Nope, uh-uh. Devil, you leave my family alone. Devil, you leave my finances alone. Devil, you leave my children alone, my grandchildren alone. Devil, you leave my wife alone. How much are you praying, men? This stuff only works in prayer. As we always say, time in prayer is never wasted time. As I have observed and we've said from time to time in serious Sunday night services, in the, now the four years, almost four years, next month will be four years of pastoring, uh, there have been two children in my church that I have seen a homosexual spirit on. And in both instances, I knew it was the father's fault. One was a little boy. The other was a little girl. And both of them came up to me after I preached it enough times and they went, ding, that could possibly be my kid. Yep. And they came to me after a service. One of them came to me and said, Pastor, uh, was that my son you were talking about? I said, it sure was. He said, that makes me so mad. He said, because I know exactly what you're talking about because there was a season I would go to his room at night and I could feel evil in his room. And I said, well, it was your fault because your heart wasn't right. And he could do nothing about it. My wife even said, honey, can you pray for the boy? I said, I can't do anything about it. It'll just come back. It's daddy's fault. And then there was a little girl who a lesbian spirit was ministering to her. And I mentioned that just to try to wake somebody up. And thankfully, and I knew it was daddy's fault because he's the leader. He's the head. He came to me after the service and said, uh, pastor, um, was, that, was that my child? I said, yep, it's so-and-so. I named one because they have several children. I said, it's this one. And he said, well, they've been having nightmares recently. And I said, well, you better get your act together because this is your fault. That's the authority you've been given. Dad, husband, your fault or your victory. If you'll rise up and do something, you've got to be the watchful, vigilant man on the wall. You can't be the man under the wall playing Nintendo, watching another movie. You've got to be watchful and in prayer. We know and understand that we have been given authority over unclean spirits and sickness and disease and all the works of the enemy. We must actively exercise this authority over these wicked works, excuse me, forces. We must actively exercise, actively, gentlemen, active, active. 
If we do not use our authority, the enemy will slowly and successfully push against us. Submission to God and His Word will bring greater measures of authorization and empowerment. If you're not using this, the devil's going to win. Here's the thing you've got to realize. The devil never stops. He doesn't take hiatuses. Is that hiatai? Is that plural, hiatai? Sounds like a foreign language. He doesn't take vacation or holiday. He never stops constricting on your life. And if you stop, he'll ratchet a little tighter till he finally cuts you off. That's why you must be watchful, sober, vigilant. Your children will be a, rep- a representative of you and what you did or didn't do. And that's why it's always confusing. They say, well, their parents were such strong Christians, but the kid's a homosexual. Dad's fault. Well, the parents, grandma's such a strong Christian, but the grandkids, mom and dad's fault. You've got to invest all your Christianity in your family. You've got to teach your children. In fact, I was meditating on this this week, writing some things, studying some things. And it came to me. I don't know why it had never occurred to me. But in a sense, you've got to make your children your disciple. I don't think I've ever heard that said or ever seen it that way. You've got to make your children your disciple. You're responsible for disciplining and discipling them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't, the world will make them their disciple and you'll lose your kids. Dad, you're authorized to disciple your children. And you, they are, they're your greatest thing. They're your greatest heritage. They're your greatest legacy. You're authorized to disciple them and make them disciples of dad. And the awesome thing is they're already halfway there because they want to be just like dad. They want to be just like mom. And all you got to do is take it one step further. If you don't, you'll lose them. This takes active participation in their life. Submission to God and his word will bring greater measures of authorization and empowerment. 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5. One that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if the man... If a man does not know how to rule his own house, so it's assuming you should, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now, there's a lot of things we want to say about this. Man, this is your authority again in your home. If you're not married, you will be one day. Uh, or just rule over your home or your job or whatever you're over. You can, treat, you can treat your job as your home. You have authority over it or, you know, whatever you're doing. Everybody has authority to do something unless you just absolutely unplug from life and then then you become a welfare recipient. And I don't get Christians that unplug from everything. If you're unplugged, then you're cut off. And if you're cut off, you're of no value. I cut my finger off. It looks good for a season, then it dries up. You need to plug in and start helping us with your authority. But let's look at the family here. The man is to be the head of his home, not the wife. Amen, amen, and amen. Here the Bible commands the man of God to rule well his own house. Some men rule well on their job. They're awesome business people, but lousy husbands. Don't let this be you, man. They rule well the social club to which they belong. Well, that's something to brag about. Well, I, I've got my secret Dakota ring, and uh, i got the special elk helmet. Because <laughs> I'm part of the Moose's Strange Fellow Elkmont Lodge. Awesome. And your kids are going to hell, and your wife hates your guts. But you got the secret handshake and the jive schnook schnook, whatever going on, and the secret mug you drink beer out of. And you can rule well there and become the president and the grand poobah and the grand dragon of whatever clan you're belonging to, not realizing you have a clan of three children and a wife at home that needs taken care of. So some men, they rule well everywhere, but they fail to rule well their home. The word rule literally means to stand before someone as a superior. 
So that's like a military thing. I stand before you this morning as your pastor. I am your superior. Husbands, you stand before your wife. They're superior. That means they are the inferior. Not in any other thing but authority. We understand that. You are not my inferior in anything but, in, uh, but authority around here. Some of you are superior to me in many other things. But when it comes to authority, which is what we're talking about, I'm over you. And wives, you must realize your husband is over you and get over it. This is how this thing works. It also means to outrank. I like that. If I'm ruling, I'm outranking. If I let my wife rule, she's, out, she's pulling rank. She's insubordinate. So husbands, you've got to make sure you always maintain your rank and you know your rank. And that's unfortunate because a lot of men in America don't know that they have any rank. Because our society has taught them you have no rank. In fact, we wish you never existed except to donate sperm so we could exist. Well, that makes me feel like a piece of meat. But that's the lesbian liberal agenda. Side note, because I've been doing a lot of meditating, praying and thinking on stuff. Just out there because I'm thinking about lesbianism now. Our country gives two deadly, deadly forces a free pass in our country. Homosexuals and Muslims. And the two are so diametrically opposed, one would absolutely butcher the other were they in control. And I don't think the two are smart enough to realize it's it's coming to a head like that. All we have to do as a church is go home. The Muslims will invoke Sharia law, possibly, and they'll start cutting the heads off all the homosexuals. Have you ever heard of a homosexual Muslim? They don't exist. Of course, Muslims also kill adulterers and fornicators. And you get caught fornicating, they'll bury you in the sand up to your neck and stone your head with stones till you're dead. And that's Sharia law. And that's supposed to be the religion of peace. Not. Anyway, moving on here. I've been thinking a lot this week. It also means to outrank. If God is commanding the husband to rule, then it is God who has caused the husband to outrank the wife. This is not sexism. It's New Testament doctrine. The husband outranks everyone in his home. Men, do not forget it. You outrank your children. Do not let your children manipulate your wife or you. And my God, man, don't let an animal outrank you. But it happens all the time. Oh, we can't go on vacation because little Fifi. You you can't go on vacation because of Fifi. I have a solution. Come talk to me. We can't do this because of Fifi. We can't afford it because we have doggy Medicare. Dogacare. Pedicare. I don't care. (laughs) They make new doggies every day. Shoot that one. Bury it in the backyard. Go buy another one. It is New Testament doctrine. The husband outranks everyone in his home, including the cockatoo. But by doing so, he must also lead the home, for rank is given for the purpose of leading. A good leader will automatically have his subordinates in subjection to himself, whether they are his troops, his employees, his wife, or his children. A man of God is a godly leader. Subjection, the term subjection there, is also a military term, meaning to have people arranged under your command, having no room for insubordination. People wonder why I use military examples. I've never been in the military. Maybe I should have been. But the Greek is full of it. The New Testament is full of military examples. And we are called the army of the living God for a reason. An organization makes everything run better. But when there's no rank and file, it's just some big hippie commune where we're using the bathroom in the spring water and eating chickens. That doesn't sound like anything going anywhere to do anything to me. The Bible is very disciplined. 
And I'm sorry if we hurt your feminist ideologies, ladies, and maybe your laziness, husbands, if you're going to actually have to rise up and lead something. But that's what you're called to do. Fathers, God has authorized and anointed you to be able to be an accomplished leader in your home. 1 Corinthians 9, 5, wrapping up here very quickly. Have we not power or authority to lead about a sister, a wife? Men, you've been authorized to lead your wife. Wife, you have no authority whatsoever to lead your husband. And unfortunately, it's the joke. You know, she gets married. She puts the ring in his nose and leads him about. And she says, well, I could never divorce him. I spent 20 years training him the way I like him. You little hijacking lesbian. <laughs> you hijacking little lesbian, you. I couldn't possibly divorce him now. I've got 20 years invested in training him the way I want him. I'm going to show you ladies in a couple of lessons that actually the Bible tells me as a husband to train my wife the way I want her. It's in the New Testament. And it'll stir up any remaining feminism we have left in this ministry. Because I've got Greek New Testament that says, Husbands, train and discipline your wife the way you want them. Yeah, you guys will be about that excited in three weeks. <laughs> I'll prove it to you. How come the feminists have been able to say that and get a free pass on it for 30 years? Well, I just about got my man trained the way I like him. Why would I trade him in now? I mean, he ain't all that, but at least he's trained the way I like him. My God, I feel sorry for your husband. No wonder he doesn't want to come home to you. We have power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and as Cephas. 1 Corinthians 9, 5. Here the word power is also the Greek word for authority. Men have the authority to lead about a sister, a wife. A man becomes a husband. Listen to me, men. You only become a husband when you use your God-given authority to lead about your wife. Just because you're married, I'm going to tell you doesn't make you a husband. Just because you're married, it doesn't make your husband. You could just be roommates with conjugal visits. A husband who does not lead is not a husband. Husband is a verb. That's a Dr. Barclay line. By our definition, many married men are not acting as husbands. They are merely roommates with their spouses. They're more like ships passing in the night. Husband, if you're not leading, I'm going to tell you you're not a husband. You're just married. You got a wife, but you're not really a husband. You must lead. And wife, if you're not submitting, you're not a wife. You're a rebel. Husbands, your wife is looking for a leader. Rise up and lead your home. So that will conclude our second lesson on godly men, the man of authority. Hopefully this is challenging you and pushing you and putting a fight in you and some gumptions and determination because we need all men to rise up and be great and godly and do what they're called to do. Can you imagine a hundred men all in authority doing something or one man and 99 sissies? Ooh, give me a hundred men of authority. Love you guys. We'll get ready for service in a few minutes.